guys, my name is Jackie. And my name is Coral. And together, we are The View From Pod, a weekly podcast where we talk about the music that we are currently obsessed with and the stories and emotions that it brings out of us. Hey, Coral, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Yesterday was the official start of winter break. Have two weeks off. Thank you, SMU. So excited. That's this is the only time that I'm jealous of educators because usually I don't envy your job. I don't envy working with kids. And I know you work with college kids, but I just couldn't do it, man. It's fair. Props to them. Props to you. It's fair. That being said though, like I know our students don't go back till like fucking January 25th. My ass is in the office January 4th. And I'm like, what am I gonna do for these three weeks? I literally only work with students. So I'll figure that out. (laughs) But until then, two weeks off. So it's cool. Must be nice, man. Corporate America, you get Christmas Eve and Christmas and you're back at it again. (laughs) No, you're fine. So I started, of course, watching Netflix again. Though I don't know if anyone had any issues with it yesterday. I tried looking at a show and it was like, oh, Try again. Oh, I hate when that happens. And I was so upset because I was in my sweatpants. I had my wine. I was ready to look some Netflix and it was like, no. I was like, okay. But it eventually started working. But what I was watching was season four of Big Mouth. Have you seen that, Coral? I've seen clips of it. And I usually love those types of shows. Like, you know, adult comedy and animation. Mm -hmm. Bob's Burgers is one of my favorite shows. Mm -hmm. Um, If you like Bob's Burgers, shout out. But no, I haven't watched that show. But I've seen clips and it sounds fucking hilarious. It's the strangest little show. One, I usually don't care for animated, like, adult shows. I don't know. Just in general, I don't. Um, but I like everyone in the show, like Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, Paul Scheer, just a, a whole bunch of like comedians that I do like are in the show. But if y'all haven't seen it, so it's about, well, it started off with a group of seventh graders, I believe. Um, and it's talking about puberty. And what's interesting is it's, you know what, it's quite accurate in regards to kind of talking about what puberty looks like. But it's still gross. (laughs) It is still gross. But what I will say, I think it's excellent writing though. Because I do think they're not just like saying shit for just shock value. Like they actually have very good storylines. So I will give them that. They have like, they talk about depression, anxiety, shame. And I'm like, this would be awesome for kids to see and learn about. Except no child should watch this. And no parent would really want their kids to be learning about these issues through this type Coral, of show. you'd be surprised. I forgot what I was listening to. I think I was looking at a interview. You guys don't mind the neighbors popping a whole ass bottle of champagne <laughs> outside the window. <laughs> Evidently their break just started too, so. I guess so. No, no shame. So yeah, this show, they just, they illustrate like the nitty gritty of puberty, but they show nudity. <laughs> it's a mess, but it's also hilarious. What I was going to say, Coral, is I saw in an interview with Nick Kroll that apparently people tweet at him saying that, oh, I watched this with my kids. And Nick Kroll is like, what? Don't do that. I would never do that because I've seen <laughs> clips and no. no way. It's probably like some hipster nonsense and parents be like, oh, I'm exposing them to this early on. Mm. So this, this, and that. 
Oh my gosh, no. But I will say, I have seen Nick Kroll. I was in LA and I went to a recording of Jimmy Kimmel Live. Ah. And he was the guest and he was very charming and very funny. He is very funny. No, I, I like him a lot. But yeah, y'all should watch that show and let us know what you think. <laughs> was it similar to your middle school experience? Hope You know, I'm not even going to say I hope not. Because again, there are very good lessons on there. It's just... What I've learned is that boys are disgusting and it's very difficult being a girl. <laughs> that's basically what I learned. So that's the first thing I did after being officially on break. Oh, that's cute. Well, I did not watch that. What have <laughs> I been watching? Uh, Criminal Minds. Um, mm. Listening to, you know, I, oh, I was telling Jackie about this great podcast because, um, you know, we're podcasters supporting podcasters. <laughs> yes. And it's called... Something was wrong, and listen to season six, episode two, called Predator. And this girl named Jez shares her experience while online dating, and it's basically like catfishing. Jackie, I told you the story before we it's recorded. Terrifying. It's so scary, and like that's why I'm like nope to online dating sometimes, and that's why I'm so hesitant. Mm-hmm. But you guys, it's crazy. I trust no one now. I never did trust anybody, but now, like, no way. And, yeah, I'm scared for my life now. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you enjoyed that podcast. But, yeah, you know, that's what I've been doing. (laughs) I mean, whatever gets you through the day. Right, yeah. You know? You know, I need help. (laughs) (laughs) So today we're going to be doing part one of our two-part episode yes. and it's our first two-part episode we're going to be talking about notable 2020 moments in pop culture and then part two will consist of looking back at our favorite artists albums and songs yes so of course everyone likes to do wrap up we talked about spotify wrap up um, a couple episodes ago so Corlin and i of course there was a lot to choose from y'all <laughs> obviously you know there's a lot to choose from Um, in regards to notable moments, but Coral and I have chosen two. We'll go chronologically, and Coral, I'll let you go first because you start at the 2020 Super Bowl. So you guys, it's February 2nd, 2020. We're in Miami, Florida. Yes. And we don't know that the pandemic's about to hit us here in the U.S. of A. Mm -hmm. What am I talking about, Jackie? I'm talking about... J-Lo and Shakira headlining the 2020 Super Bowl halftime show. Yes. And you've watched this, right, Jackie? Mm -hmm. I've watched this many times. I was telling Jackie, after they performed, I went to YouTube and I was like, I need to watch that again (laughs) so I can catch everything that I missed, you know? But basically, it was Shakira and J-Lo performing on the biggest stage. And what I really thought was important about this moment was that it was two Latina women Mm -hmm. performing for, let's be honest, a predominantly white male audience, but they killed it, you guys. It was Shakira performing her biggest hits, um, like She Wolf, Whenever, Wherever, and then also singing along to some of her Spanish songs. And I think people forget that she was like a, a rock star before she became this pop icon. Yeah, she was well established before she started doing like her songs in English. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was huge. I mean, I remember we had this 
dress-up party um, in elementary school. It was a girl's birthday party, and I dressed up as Shakira, so I had, like, a halter top. I had, like, the little laundry service tattoo on my arm that she had on the album of her, you know, <laughs> on her picture, yes. her front cover. And, yeah, I thought I was Shakira when I was, like, 10 years old, and That's I dressed fair. like her. But, yeah, she's been a pretty big star for a while. Long time. But I remember Shakira brought up Puerto Rican rapper and singer Bad Bunny, who, I mean, we know had a huge year. Yeah. Where they sang Shakira's Spanish hit, Chantaje. And then there was this moment where people on Twitter, especially, were quick to jump on, you know, making Shakira a meme whenever she did that. Like that tongue Tongue gesture. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And they were mocking her, right? But the thing is, I think people were quick to glance over the significance of what that actually meant. Yeah. Um, so I looked it up. I did a bit of research. And the expression that Shakira made is called Zagruta. And it pays homage to Shakira, who's actually half Colombian and half Lebanese. Oh, I forgot that. To her Middle Eastern roots. Um, so it's actually a very positive action that literally represents trills of joy. And it's actually done at like weddings and festives and joyous occasions. Wow. And so, I mean, she's literally on the biggest stage yeah. in the world. Huge accomplishment. And of course she's going to be doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And But people, of course, were like making her a meme and like putting her in the context of like the SpongeBob. I think SpongeBob does it. <laughs> I know exactly. I know this is horrible. But yeah, they were making fun of her. But like, you know, there's a reason why she did it. So I just thought I'd educate us on that because I wasn't too sure of the significance behind it. Um, But yeah, J-Lo also performed for the second half of the show. And of course, I was telling Jackie, I forget that she's a musician and not just a celebrity because sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, she dated Ben Affleck. She dated A-Rod, mm-hmm. but she has a pretty big repertoire of songs that a lot of people know. Yeah, she's been around a long time. I remember listening to her on the radio, I mean, in the back seat when my parents were driving when I was like in middle school. And I'm like, oh, is this what it's like being in a club? Yes, <laughs> I know exactly what song you're talking about. And yeah, I always pictured myself like, oh, this is what it feels like, you know, mm-hmm. I had no idea. How the hell were we supposed to know? But yeah, she was looking absolutely phenomenal in that sparkling bodysuit. I mean, Edward Cullen could never. I cannot with you. Hashtag Team Edward. Anyways. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and she brought out J Balvin, which is huge, Mm -hmm. um, for his song Mi Gente. And just fun fact, Beyonce did a remix with him. Yes. So fun. I love that song. It's a lot of fun. I heard she did it because um, Blue Ivy loved the original song. Stop. Yeah. That girl sounds so cool. I heard that was the same with Savage as well. Really? Yes. Oh my god. Imagine, I bet Blue Ivy is on TikTok and like knowing the latest trends and just keeping her parents hip i know i mean she's probably like the lead designer for ivy park she's you know she's probably like in the background making all of the moves necessary can you imagine her in like what 10 years girl she's gonna be killing it (laughs) anyways what i'm trying to say with this section is yeah they killed it they were Mm -hmm. performing these songs and what i liked is during their set they made a statement on the immigration injustice that's happening here in the U.S. Mm. We've all heard about these ICE detention centers separating children from their parents. And in a lot of cases, 
they aren't able to reunite the children with one their parents or like family members yeah and i mean like how you know mm-hmm. how can that be happening so they did have a moment where they acknowledged that and they had these glowing cages with children sitting inside of them but they also were singing JLo's daughter was in her performance yeah. and she sang a snippet of Born in the USA, you know, before mm-hmm. they went into JLo's song. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I did like that they used their platform yeah. to raise awareness and to highlight what's happening here in the US. And well, the first time I saw it, I don't even think I noticed that. Yeah. At all. It was pretty subtle. And it was only for a moment, Mm -hmm. but I think people were able to like, oh, that's what they're trying to say with that. Yeah, I didn't know that. To connect the dots. I like that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was just a really powerful moment, I thought. And two women, you know, two Latina women, and they killed it because everyone on Twitter was talking and saying about how like that was the best performance they had seen in a while. Mm -hmm. So it was nice to see them. I mean, these girls, these women work very hard for their careers. So it was nice to see the, um, them get this sort of recognition. Yeah. So. They, they had a lot of different looking people performing as well. Yeah. Like, I think after the performance of her daughter, like, there were all these young girls dancing. They looked flawless. Fierce. They look so focused. They were doing amazing. Um, just all colors of the rainbow represented. Yeah. But not necessarily as like like a way to check off a box like, oh, okay, now we have Latinas here. Oh, we have black people here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like it mm-hmm. all made sense. It was such a great performance. And I think we were talking about it before, um, especially during that time with the NFL not looking great with the kneeling and, and people being upset about it and people wanting to boycott the Super Bowl because of it. Mm-hmm. You know, did they get any like shit at all? I think there was there was some backlash about people, you know, telling Shakira and J Lo that they shouldn't have taken the opportunity because you know, as we know, the NFL is pretty vocal about being against the athletes yeah. respectfully kneeling during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I start thinking, who are we to tell these two women who? probably haven't ever had an opportunity like this to pass it up, you know? And, I mean, like I said, they use their platform to bring light to an issue Mm -hmm. that is very much real for a lot of people here. And I think they brought it. Yeah. You know, people can give them, like, all the shit that they want, but they use that moment, I think, to, like, the fullest. Yeah. And I respect them for that because they could have easily just did something just for the spectacle. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. They could have just gone completely safe. They could have gone... Because, I mean, there were also people... I say people, Christian moms mostly, mm-hmm. who were criticizing their wardrobe choices or when JLo was dancing on a pole or mm-hmm. I think even their like salsa dancing. They were saying that it was too sexual. If you don't want your kids to see it, then fucking turn off your television. Exactly. You know, cover their eyes. Like shit, it's not Shakira or JLo's responsibility. Take care of your own kids. Yeah, and they're just dancing. They're performing, you know, mm-hmm. um, their show. So I thought that was funny that these moms on the internet were getting upset that their kids and their husbands probably were so transfixed on the screen. That's not that's not Shakira's and JLo's fault. Mm-mm. No, I love it. So now we are going to kind of fast forward through a couple months. 
Um, I know Coral and I were talking about how we're in this weird space where it's kind of pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, and everyone knows, I mean, really mid-March on, that's kind of when the shit hit the fan. But of course we know May 25th, it's when George Floyd was murdered. And then subsequently the world kind of erupted. And a notable moment that really stood out to me was Dave Chappelle's performance called 846. And so he performed this June 6th. And what was really interesting with him is he was hearing, I know he mentioned Don Lemon. He was, he was hearing all of these people be like, so where are these celebrities out? Like, why aren't they saying anything, you know? And with Dave Chappelle, well, one, it was funny because he's... <laughs> Because he was like, does anyone really give a fuck what Ja Rule thinks about this? <laughs> I know. And they were like, wait, did Ja Rule say something about this? But I mean, but it's true. Um, and in this performance, and he did this in Yellow Springs, Ohio, where he and his family resides. And it was impromptu. And what I liked about this performance were a couple of things. One, I mean, of course, he's a comedian. Everyone knows about him. A lot of his stuff is... It's, it's race-related, um, but it's just expertly written. You know, it's controversial, but I think that's what people like about him. But this was a performance of his. He had a red cup. He's usually smoking when he does performances, but he had a red cup, though I'm pretty sure there is nothing in this red cup. <laughs> I think he was using it for effect, but it's fine. I mean, the whole purpose of kind of this little set was to kind of unpack what he was thinking um, kind of in response to hearing like some newscasters or just people in the media saying, where are these celebrities about their opinions? And I think what struck me was he was like, well, one, does anyone even care what celebrities think about this? But what I immediately thought of was they're still humans, you know, him, especially as a black man was probably still processing this. Um, something else I thought was interesting was that this was his first performance in 87 days. And if y'all know anything about Dave Chappelle, when he doesn't want to perform no more, he doesn't, <laughs> you know, he'll leave a multi-million dollar contract for a show to move to Africa. Um, also looked that up though. He had very fascinating reasons, but this was obviously something he was compelled to talk about. And I mean, I know we've spoken about this too, just kind of like how America is kind of at, I don't even want to call it a turning point. I think it's kind of something that's always been underlying the surface and then it just, it erupted and he was using his platform to really address it. And what I thought was notable was... I think he was speaking on behalf of a lot of people, you know, and since he was performing it in a way that was just, it was, I thought it was beautifully done. So how, did you see it, Coral? I think you've saw, seen like a little bit of it. I saw the beginning and yeah, it's definitely impactful. And I think going off of what you were saying, we forget, and we've said this before, that celebrities and musicians, they're humans just like us. Mm -hmm. So how do you expect, one, we shouldn't expect a celebrity or a musician to be the spokesman or spokeswoman mm -hmm. for an entire group because that's a lot of pressure that one, they never asked for and mm -hmm. two, they were processing the exact same information, the exact same thing that we all saw mm -hmm. in real time just as us. So how can you ask somebody to make such a heavy mm -hmm. comment, you know, quickly and it's just not fair to them they're human yeah it's in it's unrealistic expectations and it, it's similar of course we aren't celebrities me and my sister talked about it 
whenever all this stuff is going down, we got a lot of text messages, very well-meaning text messages, just people letting us know that they support us and if we need anything. And they were lovely. But something that I know we struggled with was how do you respond to that? Because we thought we needed to write something profound, you know, or write mm. something that would comfort the other person. But after a while, that got really exhausting, you know? And I think that is probably, I think that perhaps was the initial goal of the performance was to kind of give that comfort to people. But it seems like as he was writing it, he was like, this isn't, an, this isn't a comfortable situation. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to try to like sugarcoat it at all. I want to talk about like my personal experience whenever I thought that I was going to die. And he didn't want to scream because he didn't want that memory of him being vocally terrified. You know, and he relates that to how George Floyd felt and how he felt that exact same way for multiple minutes and he titled this 846 because of course the video was eight minutes 46 seconds but it was also the time of birth for Dave Chappelle and so that's what really kind of like stood out to him and I feel like with this event I don't think you necessarily I don't think you have to be black I don't think you have to be a black male to somehow feel connected to it everyone kind of has that little piece where they feel connected to it I know I personally didn't see the video. I couldn't. I already had a strong reaction not seeing it. So I really couldn't imagine if I had, you know, if I, mm-hmm. if I had seen it. But I really think this event changed so many lives. I think it also allowed for a lot of Black voices to kind of stand out. I think it was giving a lot of legitimacy to protests. It, I mean, it, it was just... It was an incredible opportunity I feel like people took advantage of in a positive way. I was looking at um, John Oliver. I don't know if you've seen Last Week Tonight. It's on HBO. It's John Oliver. I, I haven't watched that, no. <laughs> it's excellent. I'm, I'm a big fan of it. But he, he just had an episode on police brutality. It was like a week or after like all the protests started. And he had a clip of this one woman, and this is how he ended his show. He had a clip of this one woman just basically talking about why they were rioting, why they were burning shit down. And she ended it with, you better be glad that we're just asking for justice and not demanding revenge. And I was like shit mm-hmm. you know be i mean because it's kind of true it's kind of true and so i feel like those are some extreme very understandable emotions and then you kind of think what do i do with this energy mm-hmm. you know because if you kind of just sit there i feel like it can consume you if you kind of let it overcome you it can either i don't know make you violent or just or do something to you or you can be like dave Chappelle and you turn it into something and I think that's what a lot of people did. They created art. They made music. They created films. You know, I bet you there's probably so many young people, young writers, because I feel like comedians are essentially writers that probably for the first time, like picked up a pen and wrote, I mean, wrote something from the heart. And perhaps that sounds cheesy, but I feel like that's where the best art comes from. You know, yeah, it comes from like a raw place, a genuine place. And it's just... I think what makes this so remarkable is that everyone felt that way at the same time. Yeah. And that's crazy. Yeah. What I really liked about it, he acknowledged the fact that he's kind of letting the younger generation 
drive the car and that he's content being in the back seat. Mm -hmm. And I think that just speaks volumes because it's him acknowledging, you know, I'm not supposed to be at the center of this, but I'm here to one, like support Mm -hmm. when I can, when it's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But you guys, you know, the movement is doing Mm -hmm. just fine without Mm -hmm. me leading in. So I think that was, that speaks volumes. No, I think so too. I think it probably gave a lot of confidence to people. Because he also mentioned like people trust him. Like the reason people are even listening to him is because they trust him. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that kind of reaffirms some people's actions. Yeah. So, I mean, of course, although this isn't necessarily music related. It's still art. Yeah, it's still art. And I think just the performance aspect of it and art in general, I, I mean, I personally believe is just a way for people to connect with one another, not necessarily like project a feeling, mm-hmm. but it's it's somehow to connect. Yeah. Kind of like no matter what medium you do it through. Right. And so I just thought this was an excellent performance. It's about like 27 minutes long. So I suggest y'all go to YouTube and watch it. However, something that I did find funny in this was when Dave was taking, not digs but he did mention candace owens wasn't even a dig he was straight up talking to her and the thing is i didn't i mean we will bring her up here momentarily because she also came after my baby um but okay this woman i had no idea she was this i'm just gonna call i'm she's this wild i didn't know she was this wild (laughs) but um Mm. yeah i lulled whenever he brought her up and it was just the best thing ever (laughs) well he brought her up and you know i'm not even going to go into details about this woman um y'all can google her she is basically a conservative commentator a black woman i mean if y'all know me personally you know my strong feelings about black people that speak against their own (laughs) self-interest nothing wrong with black conservatives but this woman in particular um, she's super popular amongst conservatives and alt-right. Whenever George Floyd was murdered, she was basically saying that it's not as big of a deal because he was a criminal anyway. Mm-hmm. Justifying his murder. Basically. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting that Dave Chappelle said was like that she even said that to basically to comfort white America. Mm-hmm. Um, which I can, but I mean, which I can see that's just kind of her reputation <laughs> The way Dave responded, this is like a a loose quotation, is he doesn't care if he, as in George Floyd, kicked Candace Owens and her stanky pussy, or he added, or it probably does, he doesn't know (laughs) if it's a stanky pussy, Um, that that's not an appropriate reaction, you know, to the situation. And again, like Coral said, we're going to mention this full one more time. Just one more time, and then we'll be done. Just one more time, but I mean, again, Dave Chappelle is wonderful in that he will speak some truth and some insight, but he'll call someone out. Good. I'm glad he did. I No, I did too. I don't like this woman, Jackie. I don't like this woman. (laughs) I'm actually excited that you've discovered that. (laughs) Trust me, I'm just going to be YouTubing all the things she said. Maybe you're just going to make yourself angry. I know. Maybe I won't. I know. (laughs) So moving on, we go to July 4th, 2020. Mr. Kanye West announces his run for the presidency. 
And as we all know, he actually did this in 2015 at mm-hmm. the VMAs after he won the, I believe, the Michael Jackson Vanguard mm-hmm. Award. Um, of course, back then we were like, she ain't gonna run for president. He's just um, joking. He's just joking. But nope, he did. And if y'all are curious, he ended up getting 60,000 votes. Um, he was on the ballot for 12 states. Irresponsible. <laughs> as a third party candidate. Um, apparently the next, I think the morning after the election night, he conceded in a tweet saying Kanye 2024. Um, apparently his previous, his original tweet was WELP in all caps, but then he, then he deleted it. Probably, I mean, true representation of how we felt. But with what I thought was interesting about Kanye, and we all know that he's wild. I mean, he's been wild for a while, but I don't think people really, I don't see, I don't even know whenever it became public, but what I don't think people are kind of thinking about is obviously like his mental illness, since he does have bipolar disorder. And I mean, of course, we're not necessarily in the mental health field, but if you know basics of bipolar disorder, um, you do have bouts of depression and mania or hypomania, depending on kind of which type that you have. And so whenever I was hearing about this presidency thing, I know he had a few rallies where he was like in tears, um, just very, very emotional. I mean, you heard like, or like read on like the internet, read tabloids that he was struggling in his relationship with Kim. He looked like he was spinning out of control. Mm -hmm. And while some people, I mean, we're, I mean, we're laughing at him. I felt really sad for him, you know. And I think I think more people felt sad for him than let on. Yeah, because that looked like an episode, and I thought it was it was kind of difficult to see, you know. But I will say, looking into it more, according to Wikipedia, you know, it's a very trusted source. <laughs> um, something that I didn't really realize was he actually developed this platform. Quite clearly. So his main values were a creation of a culture of life, uh, endorsing environmental stewardship, um, supporting faith-based organizations, school prayer, strong national defense, and of course opposed abortion and capital punishment. So well one, I was kind of impressed that there was even a platform to speak about because fucking Trump Never had a platform to speak about. <laughs> oh, there was so. always a plan, but it was online, I think. But no one could ever find it. it I think always, that's what his thing was. It was always, The link just didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and I will argue, though, also, because, again, this was July. And I don't know if y'all have noticed this year, but, I mean, again, especially with Black Lives Matter, there are so many Black voices that are being amplified now and given a platform. And I can definitely see kind of giving him more of a chance because of that platform. Yeah. And also what we have to realize is I feel like it's fair to say that Kanye is a musical genius. He does his job very well. Very talented. So I feel like if he's feeling so passionate about something as music, Mm -hmm. he would probably want to put a lot of time and effort into creating a platform because he seriously thought that he was going to be able to become the next president of the United States. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And again, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't like looked up a couple articles. 
I mean, for the longest, I thought it was a like a publicity stunt. Mm-hmm. But and yeah. also his family, like Kim and like all the Kardashians, were retweeting, quoting yeah. him, encouraging, like you said, kind of encouraging this behavior. Mm-hmm. And I think most of us knew that something was off. Yeah. And we probably don't know to what extent because they keep a lot of it behind closed doors. Ironically. Um, yeah, right? <laughs> not on the rea- not showing everything on the reality TV show, but yeah, I think it was a cry for help. And I remember whenever, you know, he would go on Twitter and he would tweet literal paragraphs at like 2 3 in the morning mm. and then they would get deleted within like the at the next morning. But yeah. the thing is, he would literally, like, be shouting out his friends who did go visit him, I think, at their ranch in, like, Wyoming. Yeah. And I think that was a moment where he was literally, like, saying, well, he cares about me because he came out, like, and maybe even, like, asking, well, where are the rest of you guys at, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think he did, you know, spiral, perhaps, yeah. at this moment. And it was really sad to see... Because at the end of the day, he's a human, you know? Yeah. Just like you and I, but perhaps he wasn't getting the help he needed. Yeah. And I mean, of course, not getting too much into it. I heard, because I think he had to be hospitalized at one point. And I think like a lot of the big drama was, I think Kim wanted him in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think perhaps just for like a, for a treatment situation. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to do He that. refused. Yeah. yeah, and he refused. So again, I mean, it's a lot of like personal mental health things going on, but it's on such a wide stage. And I mean, 60,000 votes. I mean, those are real votes. Those are real votes. <laughs> those are real votes. Um, and so kind of seeing that all play out, like, I mean, kind of like what you said, Coral, it's, I mean, it's a bit, it's sad, but it's also kind of making us think, shit, I mean, we need to believe people yeah. when they say things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't always laugh them off. Because the last time we did that, we had Donald Trump as president. I was going to say, we had a certain <laughs> someone yes. doing God knows what in Basically. that office. So, believe people the first fucking time. So, moving forward, we are approaching the end of the year, and we're in November 2020, And my baby Harry Styles appears on the cover of Vogue (laughs) for the December issue. And of course, he's wearing a fabulous Gucci jacket Mm. and gown. And I read the Vogue article. And Jackie, I think you're going to fall in love with him even more. Because he does Pilates. He meditates twice a day. He's a pescatarian. And he eventually wants to move to Tokyo temporarily because he feels that there's a sense of respect and stillness. And a quietness over there that he really appreciates and loves. Doesn't he just sound like a zen human? Don't you just want to be his friend? I mean, he's looking like he's living his best life. Exactly. I, I mean, I mad respect him. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was he was wearing a gown on the cover. Mm-hmm. And um, lots of people had lots to say. Most importantly, conservatives... We're wilding out. And, you know, Jackie's favorite person, Mm. Candace Owens, of course, had something to say about this. And so basically, this is what she tweeted, okay? There is no society that can survive without strong men. The East knows this. In the West, the steady feminization of our men at the same time that Marxism is being taught to our children is not a coincidence. It is an outright attack. 
bring back manly men. Um, So Candace tweeted that, but she wasn't the only one who had something to say because Ben Shapiro... Fuck that guy. I (laughs) I need to hear what he think. But, oh, real quick, he said, anyone who pretends that is not a referendum on masculinity for men... Um, to don, you know, floofy dresses is treating you as a full-on idiot. So, like I said, I wasn't too familiar with what this, who this chick was. Now, <laughs> she won't learn today on her episode. <laughs> but, I, I just, how are people so pressed? Because the thing is, Harry likes to wear whatever the hell he wants. He doesn't want to limit himself to clothing that is supposed to be specifically just for men. He wants to, like, if you see something that he thinks is, like, cool, mm-hmm. he'll fucking wear it. And, like, yeah. my take on it is how the hell does Harry wearing a gown affect all these other people? I don't, I don't know how people connect the dots. I, well, the first thing I think is just, like, the insecurity yeah. of whoever's talking about, like, I don't know, an assault on masculinity. And just, like, what the fuck's even a manly man? I don't... Like, manly th- men. Well, and, I mean, again, it's a social construct. Exactly. Just the idea of masculinity and femininity is a social construct. Exactly. So I don't quite understand, like, what they are meaning, mm-hmm. you know? So I think they're all full of shit. I mean, I do too. But Harry being the confident king. Harry don't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. So what he did was he went on Instagram Mm -hmm. and he posted a picture where he's wearing this fabulous little blue like pantsuit type of thing. Um, looking gorgeous, but he's eating a banana and like his mouth is kind of like on the banana. And his caption is bring back manly men. And so I'm just like, oh, I did not know that. I was like, Harry, you do your thing, baby. Like, don't worry about anybody but you. And the confidence is just sexy as hell. That's, and that's, yeah, that's what people are saying. Like, he's confident enough to be able to, you know, just express his, because it is creativity. It is emotion. It is, you know, it's yeah. just confidence. It's how it, he wants to be portrayed. Exactly. And it's his choice. And if anyone feels threatened by a man in a skirt says a lot more about you than it does about the person. Exactly. So, Harry, you keep on wearing your, you know, hot-ass outfits with your yes. little pearl earring. I am here to support you, baby. So, yeah, these were some of the most memorable moments in 2020. Yes, definitely not an exhaustive list right. of all the stuff that went on, but something definitely at the top of our minds. So let us know what your top moments were and if you have any thoughts on what we discussed today. Yeah. Watch something crazy happen next week. Of course. We should have waited for this episode then. YOLO. Thank you for listening to The View From Pod. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The View From Pod and tune in next week where we will discuss part two of our 2020 wrap up. If you like this episode, please leave us a five star review if you too think Candace Owens needs to sit her ass down. And not four out of five stars, please. <laughs>